you'll find a way to do it if you have that passion for it. But the thing is, if you may, you may think that that you have to commit like so much time. Well, really, you don't. You just need to take maybe an hour or even a half an hour. That's what I tell people. Just get into the gym if that's your passion, and just go with it. Don't think that you have to spend three hours in the gym. It's that just being consistent, and that's what I saw with some of my members at my gym. They would never miss a workout, but they may only be there half an hour, and then some day, some days, time allowing, they may be there too, you know. But they always hit that workout. And those guys were the strongest, and the and the ladies too. They were in the best shape. It was the other people that would come in and like, oh, I'm in here for two hours and get burned out. They said, well, my schedule won't allow it. I can't do it. No. Your schedule will allow it. It will allow 15 minutes a day or 20 minutes a day. And then when you get your time, go for it and spend a couple hours in it if you can. I'm Steve Slater, and this is the Tom Rowland Podcast. One of my favorite things about this podcast is interacting with the people that listen to it. And sometimes I get a message from someone and uh, it's a great idea for a podcast. In this case, I got a message from someone that I already was very familiar with them. I knew a good bit about them. In fact, I had purchased some of the products that they make. In this case, it's Steve Slater. He makes all kinds of strongman implements and I have some of them in my attempt to try to get stronger. Steve reached out to me. It turns out that he is an avid fisherman, and he was already listening to the podcast, so I suggested that we get it together and do one. Steve is an interesting guy. He is from Ohio. He is a pioneer in the strongman world, world's strongest man and stuff like that that you've seen on TV. He makes a lot of the implements that these giant people lift that are truly astounding feats of strength. That equipment a lot of times comes from Steve. Uh, His family has a hardware store that is probably the most interesting hardware store on the planet, uh, as you'll find out. So, interesting conversation with Steve Slater. You'll know a whole lot more about Strongman right after this. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when I heard that Mint Mobile wireless plans are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. I thought, what's the catch? But after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just $15 a month, go to mintmobile.com slash waypoint. That's mintmobile.com slash waypoint. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash waypoint. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. All right, so uh, we're live. Steve, man, thanks for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. It's very interesting how our paths crossed, and I'm looking forward to getting to know you a little bit better. I kind of yeah. came across you about... In 2010, I guess, I was through CrossFit, was kind of experimenting with some strongman techniques to maybe incorporate into the CrossFit. And, of course, your name is all over the the strongman world. 
Then one day, I get a message from you saying that you're listening to the podcast. I was very humbled. Humbled. Man, I tell you what, I love your podcast. It's about one of the only podcasts that I listen to. So it's, I love fishing, always have. My father, or actually my grandfather introduced me to uh, to fishing. I would, I would definitely say uh, I'm an amateur listening to your podcast to try to advance any, you know, a lot of the skills that I need. So it's been it's been a great thing. I, what you're doing there with with fitness and with CrossFit and all that too is just I'm like wait a second because I was I was thinking you know if I could d- develop a workout that helps fishermen I don't know maybe I did a Google search and up you come or or maybe maybe it was on the TV show and you said check out my Instagram or something I don't know but I came across you and I was like whoa this is really cool man yeah well. A lot of people, well, there's a lot of different types of fishing, you know, and and some fishing does not require a high degree of fitness, like sitting on the bank and watch, waiting for the bobber to go under. But other types of fishing does require a lot of fitness. And, uh, you know, guys that are that are going on the beach and, and spending all night out there in the waves and and uh, getting tossed around up in the northeast, that. That requires a high degree of fitness. You got to walk out there in the middle of the night and then stand out there in that cold water and and do do what you're doing. And in my in my style of fishing, it was poling a boat, you know. And and before that, it was rowing a boat, rowing a boat all day long, and you know, poling a boat into the wind. And yeah. I just kind of it was a one to one relationship. The better shape I got in, the more days I could spend out there. The more attentive I was to my customers. And right. the more money I was making, you know, because I wasn't having to take a break that I was taking, you know, in years previous. And so that kind of developed this this interest. I've always been kind of an athlete. I was a wrestler in high school and, and did a lot of sports growing up. But then I never kind of equated that to making a living. And uh, yeah. <laughs> things things start changing when you start having start thinking about getting married and having babies and everything, and you're you're putting the pencil to the paper, and you're like, well, I need to work. I'm working 150 <laughs> days now. I need to work 200 days, and you have another baby, and now I'm now I need to work 300 days. You have another baby. It's like, well, now I need to work 700 days. There aren't 700 days. <laughs> so, so you better be fit and ready for it, right? You, yeah, you that's got to help your concentration because if you're if you're focusing on the burn or you're focusing on the, you know, if you're winded, and just like, man, I just can't make it. You know, I mean, you just got to be in shape just helps everything from mental outlook, physical, you know, you name it, especially being strong. You know, I think that's a great thing. So, yeah, I find uh, how old are you? I'm 52. OK, so we're very close in age. I'm 50. I just turned 51 and I've, you know, had a I've been training most of my life. There were about four years there where I got away from training completely and just focused on nothing but fishing and my, my, you know, I kind of let myself go a little bit and you get way out of balance. And then as I go back to training for the last 20 years or so, it starts out really as a very physical thing. But now in my fifties, it becomes almost more of a mental training than than a physical training or certainly I, I i feel like the results that i'm getting and the benefits that i'm getting are far more evident mentally like it just yeah. kind of keeps my my head clear it keeps the stress level down it keeps and often and i hear this from a lot of writers and other people other cre- creative types are thinking you know when they're training when they're running when they're doing something it's almost like a 
a meditation of sorts where that's where the clearest thinking either comes during the workouts or, or shortly after the workouts. And I seem to find that more and more and more. Right. Yeah. With me, I started, of course, weight training like a lot of other guys were either wrestling or football. I, I wasn't a wrestler, but I was a football player. So, you know, I started weight training and I fell in love with it. And I, I continued to train after everybody else would be done. And the coach would come and say, what are you doing, Slater? You got to get out of here. <laughs> I'd be like, I'm almost done. And then they shut the lights off on me and be like, okay, I get the message. So yeah, I really kind of stayed after practices and, and, can, and I wanted to be a bodybuilder too, but that was the only thing we had either football training or, or, you know, the muscle magazines. And that's where I learned about, of course, just like a lot of other bodybuilders learned about that. And, um, we didn't have a powerlifting, uh, program or anything other than just basic weights and, and the gym, we didn't have any any way to to gain information on powerlifting or I probably would have uh, gone that direction but we had all the muscle and fitness and flex magazines and stuff mm-hmm. so I did a lot of those routines and then I I started competing in bodybuilding when I was 16 um started training with weights when I was 14 so you know I competed in bodybuilding up until I was 30 um opened up a gym here in Lancaster when I was uh, 19, we closed it down. That was maybe 80. That was yeah, in 87. We closed it down in 2000. But then I found I found the sport of strongman. I was doing powerlifting too in between my bodybuilding competitions. And I did pretty well in bodybuilding. I went to the national level, but I won, you know, like the Northern Kentucky Championships and the Ohio Classic and competed a lot, uh, the Junior Ohio and things like that. But I was introduced to strongman by a, a guy named Wes Sims. And Wes was, uh, he was one of our members, actually helped manage my gym for me. And he said, hey, we're, we're going to go to uh, Pennsylvania, in Pittsburgh, and pe- compete in the Pittsburgh Strongest Man. And I was like, yeah, let's train for it. So we got all our stuff together and trained for it. And, you know, I'm used to turning some heads and, and bodybuilding and winning these trophies. And, and, and we got a team together and everybody trophied in that contest except for me and i remember the guys felt sorry for me so they put their trophies in front in a picture in front of my feet and i'm like <laughs> and these guys are all right you know but um after that i just i knew i had to i knew i had to train and get more equipment and, and go after that goal uh knew i didn't have to diet like i needed to anymore and uh it was more functional for me you know because we in bodybuilding you you like to say that that's a sport and a lot of other people like to say it's not. And uh, in strongman, you can definitely say, hey, I compete in a sport. So it's yeah. athletic and things like that. So what year was that? Let's see. That was 98. Okay. Because, uh, you know, like a little bit before that, like strongman has 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 these kind of ebbs and flows in popularity. And, you know, there were a lot of times where, ESPN was doing some things with strongman and you'd see these guys with, with, you know, walking with, with, uh, an apparatus that had two refrigerators on it. They're pulling trucks. They're, they're doing all of these events, which are, you know, maybe traditional strongman events, but with, with more up to date kind of equipment, like somebody's pulling a fire truck or something that where, where the, the viewer can look at that and go, wow. That's a fire truck. <laughs> you know, that's a refrigerator. And and I just wonder where your where your history kind of coincided with with these these peaks and valleys of popularity with with strongman. 
Yeah, well, I I watched the World's Strongest Man competition, and even the neighbor, one of my old neighbors that helps me with the Arnold, Bill Durson. I remember I'd be in my garage training, and he'd come over, and he was like five years younger than me, or maybe even seven. And uh, he came came over to a garage where my garage where I was training. He was just this kid, and I came over and said, "Hey, you watch the World's Strongest Man? You, you know, you know John Paul Sigmunds and O.D. Wilson and Bill Kazmaier." And I was like, "I had no idea who he's talking about." I was like, "How's this kid?" No more of me about this sport. And I tease him now because he helps me, you know, at the Arnold. He's on our crew and and he, he doesn't do any heavy training, but he loves the sport of strongman as much as I do. That's for sure. Yeah. So so we um, it was just interesting. I got into bodybuilding and then I found strongman. But when I did, it was through watching that, you know, so I really gained a lot of interest. It's like, man, this is really cool. I got to try lifting stones and stuff like that. So we started promoting our own shows. Uh, after Wes and I uh, went and competed in, as a team there in, in, in the Pennsylvania championships, we started promoting our own shows and we got our own gear and, and we'd go and compete in other contests. And I'd go and I remember the first one I competed in, there were, they said there was going to be a log press or maybe the second one I competed in. And I thought, well, this is great because I'll be able, you know, you see the logs on ESPN and, and uh, World's Strongest Man and, and it showed up and it was a metal tube. And I was like, what is this? What are they going to do with her? And the guy said, well, you're going to press it. And I was like, okay. So, you know, you couldn't really relate. Like if my parents came or my grandparents came and they would be like, well, where's the log? You know, they could relate to a big log. So, yeah, we wanted to kind of change that in the way we promoted our shows and have rustic, official, you know, great looking equipment that people could really relate to. And I think that's what's great about the sport of strongman because the average person watching can see it and say, man, I know that's that guy's a beast. Right. You know. Yeah, that was what that's what I think ESPN did a good job of. We, you know, when you would watch World's Strongest Man is is that they used, like I said, like contemporary things like refrigerators where somebody tries to move their refrigerator and then they look at this guy and he's got two of them on his on his shoulders and he's walking yeah. or, or any of the things where like traditional uh, Highland games or whatever, they're throwing basically kind of like a kettlebell over a, a bar and right. people can't really... You know, like it's different when they throw a keg over the bar because people can be like, well, I've lifted a keg and, you know, I could never throw it at all. And this guy's throwing it over his head 15 feet in the air. I mean, that's where that's where I think that it becomes more of a of an enjoyable sport to watch when everything is is relatable, like you're saying to the average person. And they look at that and they can't pick that thing up three inches. And this guy's throwing it 20 feet over his head. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, so when you say that you started your own shows, you, wh- what was that like? What, what, did, what did your own shows look like at that point? <laughs> well, yeah, I was, I remember we have this hard, you know, Slater's Hardware, I have a hardware uh, store there and big, big Wes Sims. He's a, he was a, he fought in the UFC and he trained in our gym. Like I said, he, he bobbed his head in the door and, and, and went into the lock shop and kind of ran in there real quick, like said, Hey, Steve, here. He goes, this is what we're going to do, and we're going to do it in two weeks. And I looked at it and said, strongman competition. And this is just a, a couple weeks after we got back from uh, Pittsburgh. And I said, Wes, I said, there's no way we can do this in two weeks. We don't have, you know, he's a really positive guy. And, and he's about <laughs> six, six nine, and he, he weighs probably then about 275. And you don't really say no to this guy, especially because he can hit pretty hard. And uh I said, there's no way. And he said, no, we're going to do it. He says, you get the equipment together. I'll get the competitors. And so we held our first uh, strongman championships there in, in Value City parking lot. 
he went to Value City. He said, "You guys got the perfect parking lot. Let's do it here." And they said, "Sure, we'll do. It. We'll let you do it." <laughs> yeah, we um, we we did it and we came up with the equipment and had, you know got beer kegs. Um, I called Beverly International, one of the supplement companies, and said, "Hey, you guys, you know, because they helped me with my bodybuilding and supplementation." I said, "You guys want to sponsor?" So they they brought their van full of uh, you know all the protein powders that we pulled. Uh, we had bench press with chains on it, which that was miserable. We should have never done that. But um, we did farmer's walk, and uh, I think that was that was about about it. There's one more event we probably had, but um, yeah, it was a great show. It was fun getting all the gear together. And so that first show spawns into what? What like like you had marginal success in a parking lot there, and then yeah, what does that develop into? So yeah, that that continued on. We 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 had that competition oh annually for about three or four years. Then I remember I went to the Arnold and uh, and this was 2001. And Beverly, of course, helped sponsor our events. And I went to the Beverly booth, said hello, and the owner of Beverly, Roger Reinger, uh, said, "Hey, we we need to do a strongman." competition and so we we were going to put we put together this competition we went and talked to the arnold uh office there and and they said well yeah we're interested in this and so they said put together a you know a a format and and, um submit it to the office and let's take a look so that's what we did i put everything together and they gave it to the office and no call so i called a couple weeks after that, they said, well, we're interested in doing one, but we want to do a professional competition, not an amateur competition. And I said at that point, well, maybe I can help. Um, and they said, well, we'll have uh, the director give you a call. And that was Dr. Terry Todd. And Terry called me and we talked and he said, well, what if, you know, what do you know about the sport? And I told him that, you know, we've held several events and I make equipment and um, maybe I can help just volunteer. So. I became that that gopher gopher in the competition, and and uh, Terry would call me and say, "Can you build a ramp, or can you do this?" And what I couldn't do, I of course we have a hardware store, so I know other people that can, you know, that are more skilled with. Yeah, you know, I'm pretty passionate about the sport, but you know, it takes many people to make these these things work. So mm-hmm. um, I was fortunate enough to to be in the store and, and know people that can help. So. Yes. Then from there, you know, I started working with the Arnold and and um, it grew from the Arnold to some of the other, uh, you know, larger competitions. I built some equipment for another contest called the Fortissimus and the America's Strongest Man. And, and um, you know, I made the stones for the World's Strongest Man competition. And so it's it's been fun and got to meet a lot of the big competitors and and work with them with their equipment with their stones most notably. So. Mm-hmm. so when you're, um, you know, the evolution of this sport and, and the people that are competing now, when you're building these, equi- this equipment, do you ever get a call for equipment that you just think is beyond human capabilities? <laughs> and, and, and then it goes into a competition and people are actually doing it. I mean, how much has the sport evolved the earth, I mean, this is one of the oldest sports there is. I mean, everybody wants to know who the strongest man in the world is. And, you know, I love this new show that they, that they have on TV, the history of, of strong man. It's, it's really cool. Brian Shaw and, and, um, who else is on that? Brian Shaw and Eddie Hall and right, Robert yeah, and Robert, Nick, Nick Best. Yeah. It's got, it's right. a great show. Well, you know, 
it, it's amazing too because you know brian i remember brian calling me and said hey i need a dumbbell made and can you make a special dumbbell for for me and i was like yeah sure i can i can do that and i'm thinking man we made this thing i was like who in who in there <laughs> who's going to be able to pick this up i know brian's strong this is before brian was you know he was still an amateur and, and um so I, I helped him with this bell and he called me and he said, Steve, that bell broke. I was like, what? There's no way. What do you, I mean, I was actually angry with Brian. I was like, Brian, how would you break my bell? You know? <laughs> so I said, you had to drop it on concrete. And he goes, no, I didn't. So, you know, you, you had the world's strongest men trying to beat up your equipment. And, um, that's that you have to make sure you make it heavy duty. So after that, I went back to the drawing board and never broke another dumbbell knock on wood again. Yeah, so it's amazing. And, you know, me competing as an amateur, and I, I went as high as what second place in the national championships. No one remembers second except for, for me. But, it, it, you know, I, I felt that I was a pretty strong guy and come to find out I wasn't that strong. <laughs> right. I mean, there's levels to everything, you know, and, and I, I would just imagine that as as these guys are getting stronger and stronger, there's more opportunities to compete that there's a call for creating something that just seems otherworldly and yeah. then, and then you make it and send it. Okay. I guess, I mean, good luck. And then, yeah, right. you know, and then they start ripping it out. You're like, Whoa. yeah, we made the uh, Austrian Oak for the Arnold. And that was a guy named uh, Tim Bolin who actually won one of our first uh, events, just a big farm boy. He helped me make this log. It was an incredible. It took us about six weeks to make. We made two of them, and it, it was just man, it was an incredible feat to make that log. What are the sweet. specifications on that? It was the biggest strongman log ever made. I believe it's nine feet long. It's about twelve inches diameter. But if you know, you go to YouTube and type in Austrian oak log, everybody will be able to see it. And um, it's different than a regular log because the ends are larger in diameter. And that was created to uh, to help with safety, so you didn't get trapped underneath the bog, underneath the log if mm -hmm. the pads are high enough. Mm -hmm. So, which it also created another huge challenge for these guys because they're not used to the ends being so so large. That was something Terry Todd called me and said, you know, I'd like to have a log for the Arnold. I said, well, I think if you have a log, then then um, we should, uh, you know, I'm your, I'm your guy to, to help with that. He said, absolutely. That's why I'm talking to you. And, and I said, well, let's think about naming it the Austrian Oak. So he made that work and we named it the Austrian Oak and huge log. When we first, first, you know, everything raw was uh, over about 550 pounds. And, um, then we had to, we cut the weight down to, I think the first year it was 450 something like that. And then Rogue Fitness came in and sponsored the, you'll see it has a platform that sits on that the guys would just press from chest high up to arms overhead. Mm -hmm. And Rogue, Rogue helped develop that. Yeah, they're, they're a great company to work with. They do some awesome stuff too. A lot of behind scenes stuff, that's for sure. They help out a lot. Yeah, I've been following the, the progress of Rogue for a long time. In 2009, I think I went to my first CrossFit competition right at the Rogue headquarters. And it was, uh, it was basically a warehouse. They had a few products that they were making, a couple of, uh, kettlebells. They had a few different pull up kind of things that were mostly in the wall. 
and a few squat racks. And, um, and man, that company has just grown. It's really a, a remarkable uh, success story, not only to keep, keep manufacturing in America, but also to revitalize a, a community, which it seems like from the outside that, that they've been able to do that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's amazing what they can do. And I help them now, you know, develop some strongman equipment, um, especially for competitions. And, you know, I'll go as far as this, this little brain of mine can, can go and, and as far as doing pencil sketches and concepts. And then I give it to somebody that's way smarter than me and I get to work with these guys. It's amazing how intelligent their development team is to develop all this equipment and, and to make it, to make it work properly. Especially, like I said, when you got the world's strongest men trying to beat your stuff up. That's, I think I think one thing that's interesting about your story, when I started looking into into you and doing a little research for this, you know, you have, like you said, a hardware. And, and so I thought, I think of your name and, and what I know about you, and I'm thinking, okay, well, he's just playing off this hardware thing like Slater's Hardware, and you sell strongman equipment. And so I look yeah. at it, and no, it's a real hardware store. And not only that, <laughs> but you have all these different um, – you have all these different little departments, like you've got a hobby department where somebody in your family obviously has a passion for these hobbies, like you have a passion for strength and strongman. How did tell me about the the development and the history of your of your hardware store in your family? Because obviously it is it is a, a you know like a, a benchmark business of your community. Yeah, yeah. We, well, we've been established since 46. Let's see. So basically, I think what happened is my, my father and my uncle drove my grandmother nuts. And she had to probably have, you know, put something else on her mind or, or else she was probably going to tear into them all the time. And uh, I, my, so she decided she wanted to open up a hardware store. And my grandfather was an engineer and he loved to build things. So he, we had a... Uh, a concrete or he had a concrete block company and they operated that. They also sold coal. Um, It was called Westside coal and concrete. And so they operated that and that's where they first started. And uh, grandfather would build properties, uh, rentals, things like that. He was a supervisor at a um, coal mine down in Southern Ohio in the plains. And they shut down the coal mine. He left there, came up to Lancaster, and and then brought some property and went down to where the coal mine houses were and bought the homes, cut them in quarters, put them on the back of his flatbed truck, and drove them back up to Lancaster. My dad said, are you remembers being on the back of the flatbed truck holding a lantern because they didn't have brake lights? <laughs> and, yeah. So, uh, and then, then he, he built all these properties on the west side of Lancaster. And uh, so that, that helps. We still have those properties and we have other properties because my grandfather never spent time in the hardware store. He was only in the hardware store to get hard so he could actually build properties. But my grandmother, she ran the hardware. So my uncle and my, and, and my father both were OSU graduates and they, after they got out of college, they came back to work for the company rather than using their major. So they ran the company with my grandmother and we grew up in the, in the company running around a hardware store. So 
and my father and my uncle then retired. Now my sister and my cousin and myself run the, run the company. So, um, I mean, I love selling nuts and bolts and talking to the people, uh, the customers, the local customers. It's awesome. But, um, yeah, I shut down my gym and then, uh, when my father retired and came in full time to the store to try to help and, but I wanted to be, bring a piece of what I already started outside the store so I could continue on, um, and spend time doing what I love within the store. And then I found straw man. So, uh, we have the straw man department. We have a uh, beer and wine department, which my sister's very passionate about. Um, you know, with lamp rep- repair, uh, uh, that's a really cool thing my my father started and uh we do a full service lock shop too which we that's something else my father started and then we have um, a hobby shop which what my uh, uncle started and so we have all these rc planes and remote control you know uh, cars and things like that we had a slot car track in the basement of a hardware when <laughs> i was just real young and people would come to the basement and race their slot cars slot cars and stuff like that so it's it's definitely uh, Unique store. It's n- yeah. nothing ever I've seen it around. I don't and think there. Was, I don't think there could possibly be anything like that. How it's it's interesting how you know at some point everyone was kind of granted the freedom to oh you like hobbies and you're gonna you're gonna run that then go for it or you are gonna right. bring in this strongman supplies. I mean, at, at what point does somebody kind of say, do you think we're gonna sell any of this stuff or is it <laughs> is, is it like Okay, well, that's going to keep him occupied, and that's going to keep him excited about <laughs> yeah. selling nuts and bolts. So, if we sell yeah. a couple of strongman items, then good. Yeah, yeah, that's that's right, and it kind of keeps our store here. You got a lot of mom and pop stores that just are, you know, they're shutting down, or they already have a lot of them. So the mom and pop hardware industry is definitely dying. So you have to do some, do some other things to kind of keep that going, and and. Uh, we're lucky that we have the opportunity to kind of bring in our own personalities and, and do stuff like that. So eating better is easy with factors, delicious, ready to eat meals. Every fresh, never frozen meal is chef crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes, including calorie smart protein plus, which is the one I like and keto get started today and get after your goals. Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day like breakfast, midday bites, and more. No prep, no mess meals. Factor meals are ready to heat and eat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com slash waypointpod50 and use the code waypointpod50 to get 50% off. That's Waypoint Pod 50 at factormeals.com slash Waypoint Pod 50 to get 50% off. Yeah, it's definitely helped. And does your particular community have a outstanding number of very strong people? <laughs> do you have some do you <laughs> yeah, have some customers do. that are that are uh, born and raised right there that are giant oh, strong bo- strong farm boys that uh, that are your best customers? Yeah, I've recruited a few of them. <laughs> they come in like, man, have you heard this sport? Take a look at this log. I think you'd be good. And uh, now I've never worked out before. And then, you know, yeah, there's a few of those. And Brad Ardry's from uh, Lancaster. He's uh, he's he's competed very well in the amateurs. And he has a world record for the Atlas Stone, uh, for the amateur Atlas Stone at 501 pounds. Um, he's 
phenomenal lifter. So he's one from Lancaster that's done a great job. There's uh-huh. several guys here that are very good competitors. Yeah, for sure. It's a lot of fun. We used to train, and sometimes we still do train in the hardware, but uh, you go up there and start doing strongman exercises, pressing three, 400-pound logs of your head, lifting axles and stones and, and things like that. It doesn't make for good, for real good retail shopping experience. <laughs> you scare, you scare people to death. <laughs> yeah, there's been times <laughs> where you know some maybe some vulgar language sneaks out, and that thing, yeah, that sort of thing. It's like, hey guys, we got you know, here's grandma right over there. Somebody's grandma's right there. You got to be careful with that. Yeah, so They're dropping these stones and shaking the whole store. So. Yeah, well, that's that's one of the things that uh, I'm the most excited about with with your influence. Uh, apparently, you come up with these these strongman bags, which are very similar to stones, but they're they're sand filled. I just bought three yeah. of those, and we've been using those a bunch. It's way easier on my driveway, and my wife likes it a whole lot better. I'm af- I was afraid yeah. that the stones were going to punch a hole in my driveway, so then we we're trying to uh, trying to make some kind of a cushioning place or or do it in the dirt but then that dirt happens to be really close to a little hill and then they they end up rolling down the hill into the woods and uh so it was like a constant battle that these sand the sandbags have have uh solved all of it they're they're quiet they don't they don't damage the driveway you can use them anywhere yeah yeah i really like those yeah that was fun project um i i you know there's definitely they play a great role in the sport of strongman, especially for the promoters and those who own the property that you, you run the, the show on because you don't have to go back and repair concrete and things like that. Yeah. But yeah. And their, their sandbags are just defiant. They just fight you the whole time. They're crazy hard. So yeah, that's, that's a really cool implement. Um, and we tested the heck out of those, man. We just dropped them and dropped them and dropped them. But that from, from five feet from like, 25 feet repetitively and just beat them up and go back and add some more and do that or you know do this or that and um and and there was another there's a that when the older sandbags you'd fill them up and you'd have this knot if you wanted it to be 200 pounds so you may have a a knot at the end and you'd have this big tail sticking out Mm -hmm. and i thought well can we make something that you don't have that can we make it so it zips shut so it seals real well so you don't have dust flying all over the place so can we make one that's dust proof can we make one that's not loose it's packed tight you know and sure enough uh, i worked with the the lady there at rogue that's in charge of uh, all the sewing and she's a sewing engineer I call her and she's she helped develop this it's just amazing so yeah, those yeah. are those are. I, I could imagine that they would be really popular, and also that's the kind of thing that I think takes strongman and and brings it to regular people. Like, I mean, you got to be pretty interested in strongman to start, you know, damaging your your driveway and your concrete and all of that stuff before you just kind of think, well, may, maybe that's not worth it. I'll just use a barbell or whatever. But it's a it's an implement that that definitely has. It definitely makes you stronger really fast, and it's a great right. it's a great exercise. But a lot of people, including myself, are kind of like, I'd like to do more of that, but you know the 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 negatives outweigh the positives here. And right. when you bring in and start innovating things like the sandbag that can be used in a similar fashion, that's where I think that you bring you bring strongman ideas to regular regular people. 
I totally agree with that because the the regular person who spent maybe a sometimes six months in the gym or a year in the gym, they see an Atlas stone. And I'm talking back when we first started in what '98 with the Atlas stones. They would they wouldn't even think about it wouldn't even enter their mind. Hey, I want to go pick one of these up for the for the average person in the gym. So you had to be kind of like that hardcore lifter in order to want to do have a desire to to do it but right and then it's concrete and you know if it's not like i know that you're one of the things about your products is that your molds are really super smooth but not all of them are and then you get scratches all over you and your face and everything i mean it's a very physical thing and especially when you're learning how to do it you're not doing it properly and you know you're smashing yourself in the chin with a concrete block that right you know you can still do that with sand. It's it's still going to hurt, but not quite as bad. But right. I, I kind of wonder what you think about that direction of of strongman going into kind of conventional fitness. You see it you see it happening in in the CrossFit world, of course. But you know where where it really starts to happen is you know something like what what happened to the kettlebell. The kettlebell was kind of an underground strength implement that you never saw. Now you see them sold in in Walmart. Do you see anything happening like that with the strongman world? Definitely see it in in, uh, in the amateur strongman world, where they have you know a few federations that are thriving, and they have masters classes. You know, they have ladies classes and things like that because you have you know you, you spend a few years or a year or so in the gym and then enter into that sport at at the right level. Where it used to be, they didn't have that when you entered. You had to enter into, you had to be ready to fight some of these pros. It was like, oh, you won't even have a chance. Well, it's a pretty intimidating world too. I mean, with the genetics of these, of these guys at that level, yes, it's very intimidating. So now that, you know, there you have uh, Strongman Corp and then you have uh, USS, United States Strongman. Both those guys do a great job with uh, their governing bodies and in that direction of building the sport for the, the amateur. Mm-hmm. Uh, we see that grow uh, considerably yeah one of the coolest things that i've seen is when I, I used to do another show called fitness truth and it was kind of about the the beginnings of of the crossfit movement and one place that i went was up to see rob orlando and rob was kind of bringing strongman into crossfit a little bit and he uh one of the little features that we did there was on this ladies group that he had and it was all women and they were doing nothing but strongman training. And right. he had, you know, just smaller, smaller Atlas stones and they were lifting them up over yokes and, and dropping them. And, and these ladies, they loved it. They, they really loved it because it was something completely different than anything they'd ever done before. And they were all getting, you know, really strong. And, and, but it, but it takes someone <clears throat> like Rob to, you know, be able to teach people the right way and get them motivated and show them that this is, this is an effective training, you know, but <clears throat> maybe it'll happen. I don't know. Maybe with a sandbag, the the evolution of that sandbag that I see that as something that could really open it up to a lot, a lot more people. Oh yeah. Yeah. Hey, I want to yeah. ask you this. Like when you first, uh, when you first contacted me, <clears throat> you were talking about how you had spent a lot of time in Hilton head. So how is it that you end up in Hilton head from Ohio where, you're running around in a hardware store. It seems like that's kind of a that's kind of a, a business that requires that the family stays there a lot. Like yeah, a hardware yeah. store is always open. 
So yeah, you do have to you do have to be committed to that. That's definitely. So definitely. what what's the what's the connection to Hilton Head? Well, we take vacations there, and um, we take vacations in Florida when I was younger. But my my father and a couple other partners decided they wanted to be a little bit closer than than Florida, and they found Hilton Head before really anybody really knew about Hilton Head. And that was uh, that was in '78, I believe, when we started going. Yeah, so Dad would trailer his boat. He trailers boat down to Florida from Ohio, um, and my grandparents had a place down there in Ponta Gorda. So uh, we'd go fishing there too. But, and then he trailers boat down to Hilton Head, and we had a right down there Braddock Cove, past Salty Dog, um, where the Salty Dog is. All the way back in the end, one of the port we were in one of the port villas back there. So we had a a dock that would probably hold ten boats, maybe something like that. And uh, that's where I learned to throw the cast net and crab, and just you know, I love saltwater, the, the, like the saltwater experience. You know, it was it was awesome. So we'd spend about two weeks, maybe four weeks a year there, mm. and um, go fishing. And Dad taught me how to to fish saltwater, and he learned, and and uh, yeah, it was a great experience. So it seems like you would have a, a saltwater fishing department in your hardware store. <laughs> we do have a tiny fishing department in the hardware. Unfortunately, we don't have very many, you know, streams. We got a few lakes here and stuff like that, but it's um, that's where it requires a lot of skill. You know, you can go fish in saltwater and catch shark and catch Spanish and you know and all that stuff. And Did you? Did you go recently when you were hitting me up for uh, for a guide? Yeah, yeah. I went Captain Market. Wheel uh, and Charters took us out. Yeah, and it's my son, my son caught a six foot hammerhead. Yeah. So that was my son Philip. He's my youngest, and he's sixteen. So for him to catch that was a great experience for me to share that with him. And my older son Landon caught caught a uh, four footer, and. Um, and, you know, we had a guest with us too. Phil's buddy caught like a four footer. So we had a good day. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. There are a lot of sharks up there. A lot. There are. Yeah. I have a, yeah. I have another guy that I sent you his, his name too. And he's, he's, um, I hope to get him on the podcast. He's doing a lot of, um, great white tagging right off, right off of Hilton head. Yeah. Right. He was busy. I, unfortunately I couldn't go, go with him, but his buddies. Uh, Captain Mark, I guess they uh, they're right beside each other in that slip, or whatever. So he took good care of us. But that's good. That's good. Yeah. Well, yeah. F- between fishing and um, and and you know the strong man, you seem to kind of be be bringing your passions into your life. How how do you think that that translates to advice for somebody else that that like the, I think it's interesting the way that you kind of brought the strongman stuff into your hardware store and right. have, have kept it there. And then, you know, kind of outside of that, you've, you've continued to, uh, you know, develop the Arnold and, and what, what kind of advice do you give somebody as they're, you know, there's so many people that, that contact me and they've got this, they've got this passion that they, they, they want to figure out how they can, incorporate that into the, into their life. And in some ways it's like, well, you have no option other than to quit your job. But in your case, you managed to find a way not to do that. 
Well, I guess, yeah, you're right. It worked out well for me, uh, probably because I have, I see, especially in the sport of strongman, it's, these guys are laborers. You know, they work like Mark Felix, who competes in World's Strongest Man, like, I don't know how many years now. I mean, he's a plasterer. He's working with his hands and his body all day long. And then he still finds time to go to the gym and, you know, spend a few, a few hours in the gym or do what it takes for him to continue to compete. And he's, but he's in his early fifties now. So, I mean, that really, you'll find a way to do it if you have that passion for it. But the thing is, if you may, you may think that, that you have to commit like so much time where really you don't, you just need to take it maybe an hour or even a half an hour. That's what I tell people. Just get into the gym if that's your passion and just go with it. Don't think that you have to spend three hours in the gym. It's that just being consistent. And that's what I saw with some of my members at my gym. They would never miss a workout, but they may only be there half an hour. And then some some days, time allowing, they may be there too. You know, but they always hit that workout. And those guys were the strongest and the and the ladies, too. They were in the best shape. It was the other people that would come in and like, oh, I'm in here for two hours and get burned out. They said, well, my schedule won't allow it. I can't do it. No, your schedule will allow it. It will allow 15 minutes a day or 20 minutes a day. And then when you get your time, go for it and spend a couple hours in it if you can. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah. And, and that, that translates into so many, into so many things, not just training, but I, I, you know, training for me has been, um, such a microcosm of, of success in other forms of life. And it seems like whether you're an entrepreneur or, or, or whatever, you can see these little small lessons that you can learn, like that one in the gym, that the consistency is better than, going super hard for two hours and being so sore that you can't get back into the gym for the rest of the week or being just not interested because it hurts. Right. You know, or just be away that time, time away from other parts of your life. It cuts into that. And then you're like, Oh, I don't have time to do it because it, you know, it's cutting into this or it's cutting into that. Well, balance is the key, right? So it's cutting into that and spend 20 minutes doing it, not two hours. You know, don't be afraid to not to, uh, uh, you don't always have to train so heavy and stuff like that, you know? So that's, uh, that it just, it's so powerful mentally to spend time with fitness. It helps you so much. And I got busy when we started developing so much equipment. And so, because I was busy, I cut back on my training or even stopped. So I went from this super athlete to this super straw man equipment guy. And became identified with that. So I, I lost my foundation and that was my training. And then I realized, well, when business picks up, so does what? Stress picks up. I, I realized, I mean, my son was like, that have you worked out lately? I said, it's been like three or four weeks. He goes, I suggest you get back in the gym. <laughs> so it's just like, you know what? I realized now why I'm a little bit different is because I am. I've, I took something away from me that that was just blessing my life. You know, so if those people don't realize, you know, that how much fitness will help with their stress levels, they really need to try it out. You know, whether it be CrossFit or you know, whether they get into strongman at some point or just go to the gym and just enjoy uh, just traditional bodybuilding or fitness. Yeah. Or take a walk. Like, that's what I always suggest, too. Like, a, you know, a, a 30 minute or an hour walk 
will it's incredible i mean because almost in some in some ways sometimes i can get more more benefit out of out of a walk because there's this i don't know there's something there's something about this repetitive motion of just one step after another it could be bicycle pedals it could be rowing it could be something that is this one after another this repetitive thing and when you look at cultures that they they do these um these uh, kind of meditations, and they usually have someone kind of play in a drum that is at this this rhythmic, uh, repeated beat, just yeah. bump, 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 and that's kind of like your feet, you know, on the ground. And and I I don't know. I think that your mind starts to go into a different you know different way of thinking, or or you maybe you relax, or maybe you access another another ability to kind of think through problems, and then you're out there by yourself. And things start happening, um, but it's yeah. it's been incredibly beneficial for me to to keep fitness as a as a real foundation in my life. But we've talked about it so many times on this podcast about people that have something that they're trying to do, and in a lot of cases, it's being a fishing guide. And in this conversation, maybe it's trying to you know train to be uh, the world's strongest man, or maybe it's somebody that's being an entrepreneur and. And people have asked me all the time, like, how do you maintain balance? But it's interesting to hear you say that, you know, when you got really into building this equipment and building this business and building this, your name in the strongman world, that you got out of training. And that's what I've had to um, kind of explain. Like, I, I was saying that there were four or five years in my life where I got out of training completely because I put everything into fishing. And there was no time for anything else. And I think that if you want to be successful in anything, there has to be that that time when you become far out of balance. And and then later you can maybe pick things back up if, if you can if you can do this without just blazing a trail of fire behind you and destroying every relationship and and losing your marriage and all of that kind of stuff. Then, you know, if you can achieve some success and then you can get back to where you're 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 realizing okay well i need to have health for my brain and that's going to right. come from physical training or walking or you know whatever whatever that that comes from for that person but that that idea of being out of balance in order to kind of lay the foundation for for your business success that's a that's a tricky thing that that we kind of talk about often yeah, definitely. So if you can just stay in it a little bit, you know that you, you just you maybe don't commit 100, 110%, but you know, if you can just commit 40% of what you used to, then you can always build your way back up, you know? So, and then you still, still continue to feel good. And that could be just about any sort of training. You could change things up. You know, that's what's great about fitness. You can walk or, you know, hit the stepper or, or whatever. There's, all kinds of different. We do PHA training, so that's like what's that? That's uh, peripheral heart action, which I think works real well for strongman because you'll do like say as an example, you'll do um, uh, maybe you, you do a set of overhead presses, and then you may do a set for cat of calf raises. So traditional bodybuilding would be like chest, shoulders, triceps, or back biceps, you know, and legs that sort of thing. So you pull all the blood in those muscle groups together, and the blood stays there and it works well if you. If you get a nice bump, uh, pump in your back, well, you also work your biceps. So now you can go work your biceps and that blood kind of stays there. With PHA, it moves throughout your body. So you work a body part that's kind of separated 
like maybe, like I said, shoulders and calves or maybe hamstrings and, uh, and chest, that sort of thing. And we'll do, uh, uh, we'll work the blood up and down our body is what we'll do. So oh, that's it's interesting. Like, it's like a giant set, you know, like a, like a four or five exercises. So why do you think that works so well specifically for strongman training? Um, because it's conditioning and then you can tell you can continue to go heavy. Um, for strongman, of course, you need to be use heavier weights. So you may be able to do a set of log press and then you can go over and maybe do a, a set that that kind of maybe a, a truck pull and then you can kind of go back to the log press. So you get a break between events, but then you don't totally saturate that area with blood. If you get way too pumped up, then it's like you're starting to fight the pump mm. instead of actually fight the weight or lift the weight. You know, if you get pumped up then you can't do any more. Right. Uh, so it helps with circulation. It works the heart a little bit better because you, you know, works conditioning a little bit more. One of the things that I think is most interesting about the strongman world is the diet. There was a vice documentary on one of the guys in just what he eats in the course of a day for an elite competitor. How many calories do you think one of these elite guys is eating in a day? I would say, yeah, they can hit 10,000 calories pretty easily if they're like kicking in some MCT oil and stuff like that. That's real caloric dense. It almost becomes, it almost becomes like from what I've seen of their eating, it's like as hard as working out. You got to keep cramming that food in there. And, and that's how you're building. That's how they're building this, this, you know, if they want to be the world's strongest man, that is a serious demand. I mean, the strongest one in the entire world. And that comes with this incredible requirement to fuel the body in a way that is totally unnatural. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I I think, you know, it's not natural as far as that goes, as far as like we're eating that much food, but you know, if these guys, a lot of the strongest men in the world, their genetics are just far superior. Just, I mean, Mm -hmm. they're built to be where they are. Um, some of them have to consume a lot of calories and not all of them have to consume that many calories, but you need to have adequate amount of protein, of course, for growth and recovery and then enough carbohydrates. So you don't burn the protein and you, you have fuel and then enough fat in there for you to spare the burning of carbohydrates as a reserve. So if I miss a meal or when I was like 270 pounds, if I would miss a meal or two, then it would knock me down to 265 and I wouldn't feel quite as strong. It all felt good to me, like eating that much food because I was spending so much time training. Yeah. It wasn't like I was force feeding myself. It was like, okay, this is a good meal and this is a healthy meal. And a lot of these guys, I think they, they, they do have to eat a lot of food, but do they really have to force feed? I think they're working out so hard, their appetites where it is, you know, and that's how much food they, they just desire. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's a lot of food. I mean, yeah. that, that Vice documentary, actually, he's got like a, a shopping cart in front of him and a shopping cart behind him. And it's just, he just keeps piling it in there. When I started, when I went from bodybuilding to strongman, I just, you know, the body, kind of like getting in the gym and pumping occasionally trying heavy. We're strongman, it's time under tension for like two minutes and split this tire and don't stop because you got 15 guys yelling it. You know, so it's really extreme. But my body weight from went from the heaviest and, 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 and in um, bodybuilding off season of 238 uh, to uh, uh, 272 pounds in about, it was less than a year. Wow. So, and that, I, I just 
ate normally, you know, as far as what my uh, appetite needed to like jam the food down and make me or anything like that. Right. Right. Wow. Man, that's uh that's that's a lot of weight to put on in a year. All uh, mostly muscle, I would imagine. Um so Steve, yeah. Now you've got uh you've got all these competitions coming up. I'm kind of curious to see kind of what you're excited about if you were to blue sky, you know, the next couple of years, you know, where what what you're really excited about and and uh or if you have any goals and how we could help you get there. Well, yeah, I'm really excited about fishing. <laughs> yeah, you can. You, I'll, I can definitely help you get there. <laughs> yeah, sounds good. You know, I'm kind of excited about what's coming up with World Strongest Man stuff. Uh, Rogue Fitness is sponsoring World Strongest Man now, and the crew there is just amazing. So a lot of the guys are from Scotland, and they start help start the sport of strongman, and where their fathers did. And they're they're a great group of guys. Um, so hopefully, we can continue on with that and building then some awesome equipment. And then, of course, the Arnold's just like it's it's a great great thing too. And the Arnold's just different than than the Worlds. It's more a traditional, a heavier strength event. If you're building equipment like uh, the Wheel of Pain that was inspired through the movie Conan the Barbarian, mm-hmm. just an incredible thing to to work on. So that's just mind blowing and just I mean, like living in a dream sometimes, you know, working with this, working with the, those guys. So. That and also want to do some stuff and start promoting some grassroots events here back in Lancaster like we used to and um, let some people experience strongman and, you know, the average folk, both, you know, if they're a power lifter or wherever, if they've never entered the uh, sport of strongman, they can. Or if they're just in the gym, we want to invite people and try to get people uh, to experience what I've experienced. You know, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, that's cool. And what are the dates of the Arnold? Oh, well, the first weekend in March. First weekend in March. And does it run for a whole week? Yeah. 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 And that's yeah. that's far more than just Strongman. There's all kinds of stuff that goes on there, right? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. You've got several sports um, taking place then. Yeah. Um, from, you know, powerlifting, weightlifting, CrossFit, bodybuilding, men's fitness, women's figure. It's a really cool uh, event. You know, they, they do all kinds of cool stuff. They have Arnold art where they, where, where they, uh, have like, like, like live people there and they have paint people painting, uh, these people and, oh, you know, it's just mind blowing walking through. It's like, man, I never would have thought of that, but that is really neat. So, hmm. yeah, yeah, I got to go to that one day. I'd like to, I'd like to check that out. Love to have you. Yeah. Well, we'll have see if we can make down. that happen. We'll, we'll swap yeah. out a fishing trip maybe. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah. Well, listen, man. I thank you for reaching out, and uh, it was really interesting to to kind of uh, catch up and and um, and learn your story. Yeah. Cool. It's awesome being. It's really. I'm thrilled. I've been telling my kids and everything that I'm going to be on your podcast, man. It's just like it's really cool, Tom. And uh, I appreciate what you do out there. You help a lot of people. Well, it's, it, thank you very much. That's uh, that's the intention. Yeah. Well, you're doing a great job. For so sure. so let everybody know how they can uh, find you and your hardware store and your strongman equipment. Yeah, well, they can find me uh, Instagram. I'm Steve underscore Slater underscore. You can hit me up there. You can go to uh, Slater's Hardware has an Instagram page too. I'm on Facebook and uh, so Slater's Hardware. So you can hit that up. But you can, if you want, if you're interested in some of our equipment or learn more about strongman, you can go to slatershardware.com. You can learn more about our store. 
yeah, it's it's kind of cool. My 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 sister's actually uh, collecting or monarch butterflies and, and and doing that. So we had like this monarch butterfly area in our store now too, which you can see on some of her Instagram stuff. And she does that. And it's, it's it's really neat. It's never a dull moment with Slater's hardware. It's got to be the most interesting hardware store on the face of the planet. That's <laughs> I've never heard of so many so many niche things that are world i mean like you've got a world-class strongman i would only imagine that the hobby shop is world-class and and the monarch butterfly thing is world-class and you've got every wine and beer that's known to man over there it just sounds like a cool place i'm gonna when i go to the arnold i'm gonna go to the hardware store too well that'd be cool yeah we'll uh we do a lot of home brewing stuff so we don't actually sell the wine and beer but we help you brew it so that's another hobby right oh cool yeah yeah yeah, right. It's really cool. So, yeah, Tom, it's been great talking to you. Right on. Well, thanks, man. Uh, I'll look forward to meeting you in person, and uh, maybe I'll, I'll try to lift your lightest stone. Yeah, so you better train up. Better <laughs> For train the lightest up. one, I know. I better train up. I don't even know if I could pick up the lightest one. i got to send you a stone so you can start practicing. Okay. All right. Yeah, Deal. You, can, you can pick up the lightest one. Yeah, I think you, you catch some pretty heavy fish, so I know you can handle one of these stones. You can probably handle... At least a three hundred pounder. Let's oh. show you how to do it. Three hundred pounder. Okay, uh, I'm gonna need some. I'm gonna need some lessons and probably a lot more food. But we'll work yeah. on it. All right, Steve. Thank you very much. Good fit. All right. Thanks, Thanks man. See you.